Hey, hey, I'm Rebecca. This is a podcast for all my single friends out there and for anyone who's ever been single. Cue the laughs, life lessons, and all things love. Welcome to Dating in the Bay. Now, let's get to it. Hey there, welcome back. Today is an exciting episode. I know I say that every time. This is another exciting one. My guest today is Stuart E. Gill from the Fox dating reality TV show called Labor of Love. And he was the runner up on the show and he was my number one. So we get into all of that. I'll get to our discussion in a bit, but I also want to preface this interview with saying that I know that we didn't get to cover a lot of topics because we went kind of down these rabbit hole parts of the conversation. And so he's agreed to come back for a second episode because there is so much more that we did not get to, as he called it, this was the warm up. So back to the matter at hand, as you guys know, and to anyone new, I start every episode with answering a listener question. So this week's listener question says, do you feel like you're behind being single in your early 30s? And I had to think about this for a while because I would say I do not feel like I'm behind because first of all, it's kind of like this artificial societal pressure that we've constructed, that we all put ourselves in this lens, that we all have to fall in this cookie cutter, one size fits all approach. And that's not really how the world is right now. Everything's opened up and you'll even hear my conversation with Stuart. We talk about all these new opportunities that women have in terms of like egg freezing, adoption. There's just way more access to different options and that really can lessen the pressure on age. And I also would say a couple more things about the feeling quote unquote behind. The only times that I would ever feel behind, no one's ever put any pressure on me. It's only pressure that I would put on myself that wasn't really justified. And that only kind of comes from insecurities around the comparison trap game. And I really come to realize that the comparison trap is a race to the bottom. Nobody wins, especially not me or anybody else, because you're always going to be comparing and you never know really what's going on behind the scenes like people who are in relationships now might end up having to break up and they have to mourn the loss of that and then they have to get back out there and it's this whole process you know so nobody's on the same timeline and i really do appreciate that i'm on this journey and i don't really know what's next and it's kind of a page turner and exciting it's not like i know exactly where the roadmap is taking me i'm kind of just figuring it out as i go and i love that my mom also was like a really nice example for me because she didn't get married to my dad until she was in her late 30s and she had me at 40 and that really gives me comfort in just knowing that it is okay to kind of just relax and not put all this pressure so especially in the context of Stuart's interview because he is dating in his 40s and he's on the show where the whole premise of the show is that to be a father and find a match within the context and lens of fatherhood. It really gives me comfort that my mom had me at 40 and that everything was fine and it all worked out and she had her own life and was thriving and it all kind of just works out by itself. So it really takes the pressure off for me at least. So with that, that's the listener question. Okay, so first I want to bring you guys all up to speed on Labor of Love, the show. I know many of you probably watched it, but to anybody who doesn't know, I'm going to give some quick spoilers. So it's this dating reality TV show on Fox. And the premise is that there's this woman, her name's Christy Katzman. You guys might remember her. She was a contestant on Bachelor on Brad's season a while back. So she has 15 men 
who are in their 30s and 40s, so a little bit older, and she's evaluating them and assessing them to get to know them and see if she'd want to get married and have a baby. So that's kind of the lens of the show is all through fatherhood and kind of these really big issues are all kind of at the forefront, which is really cool. It's kind of, to me, what The Bachelor should have been because instead of kind of being so party-y, this is more just real. So anyways, we'll get into all of that. But like I mentioned before, Stuart was the runner-up and he's my favorite. So that's why he's here today. So with that, please enjoy my interview with Stuart. All right, Stuart, we did this. It took us like how long? Well, I mean, time is just relative, I suppose. Well, thank you so much for joining me on this lovely evening. We both have our red wine. So shall we first cheers before we start? You got a drink, yeah. Yeah, I need a big gulp. Well, how are you doing? I am well. I'll say well. No, I'm actually pretty good. I, you know, life has kind of slowed down with quarantine. And I think now it's starting to pick back up. And I've been able to find my joy and my happiness. And it's been a good way to like, see what's really important to me and reset. And I feel like I'm getting to that work-life balance that we all strive for. Well, I'm going to put you in the hot seat in a little bit, but I'm going to ask you some easy questions first that I've been thinking okay. about. Yes, we'll kind of gradually get in there. So what's your middle name? Because it says Stuart E. Guild. It's funny how you think it's an easy question. Oh, is it not? <laughs> no, no my, my middle name is Everard. E-V-E-R-A-R-D. So it's a family name. My grandfather is Sterling Everard Gill. My father is Sterling Everard Gill. My brother is Sterling Everard Gill. My nephew is Sterling Everard Gill. And I am Stuart Everard Gill. Somewhat my own man, somewhat family lineage. Wow. Nobody's ever heard of it before. That's a really strong name. I like it. I had nothing to do with it, but I appreciate (laughs) it. Second question. How's your mom? I'm a big fan of hers from the show and i saw like your instagram live with her and she's just like so cute i appreciate you not starting off with my mom you know act <laughs> like you want to talk to me but then go right to my mom yeah. no oh, she's okay. great no she's she's great yeah we, you know we did instagram live and it's our second one actually together oh. it's a little more serious talking about the current state of affairs and we had a kind of sad moment the other day honestly i would I just talked to her about Thanksgiving for the first time. Like, what are you doing for Thanksgiving? And she's not really sure. She's having people over. So I'm thinking, well, that means I'm not going to see my family for the holidays. And just kind of hit me all of a sudden. Like, I may not see my family for the holidays. And I haven't seen her right when COVID hit. We had a conversation if I'm going to fly home or not. And I was like, well, no, because if I'm going to fly home, I'm going to really be home and in the house with them. Because my mom and my grandmother and my stepfather all kind of like shut down early. So if I was going to fly home, I was going to be like shut down with them. So I haven't seen them since Christmas time. So it'll be a whole year. Jeez. Maybe we'll get her on next time. She can join us. Assuming I'll pass all these questions and there will be a next time. <laughs> well, we can get back to the matter at hand and then we'll veer off to where we go. But as I mentioned, when I did your intro before you hopped on, you were the runner up in labor of love. You were my number one. Thank you. So, I think she made a big mistake, but we'll get into all of that later. So I'm going to kind of start before your life, pre-labor of love, and then we'll get into the show, and then we'll get into the post-show. That's what the roadmap is. The arc, um, the arc of today's session? Yes, I appreciate exactly. that. Thank you. 
<laughs> and you have three bottles of wine, so one for each. I'm ready. Yeah. yeah. One for each segment. We're good. Exactly. We're perfect. All right. So let's get into your dating life before the show. I read that you were recruited by a cast member on an app. Yeah. So I was single at the time. No. And so I was like everybody else. I'm just online dating. And I connected with a, a young lady on, I was on Hinge. Oh, love hey. it. That's my, that's my favorite app. So mine too. When I was on those yeah. things. Yeah. yeah. So we matched and her first statement was like, I'm not really interested in you. I'm actually a casting producer. I'm like, oh. And she's like, would you ever be interested in doing a reality television show? I said, no. And she was like, you're perfect. That's exactly what we're looking for. I'm like, aha, you're selling me. <laughs> and so we went back and forth a little bit online and on Hinge. And I was a no for a really long time. First of all, I was like, wait, so just so we're clear, you're not interested in me at all? She's like, no, I'm not. Like, are you sure? Okay, now we can, you know, you'll know if it's a test. We went back and forth a little bit, and that was her recruiting tool. So a couple questions. Was she actually single, or was she just, like, using this only as her job? Pretty sure it was a job. Okay. It makes sense, like, right? If you're looking yeah. to find bachelors yeah. and bachelorettes, like, you know, go to where they are, which would be on dating apps. So I know you don't have your profile pictures here, but what do you think it was about your profile that she was, like, Stuart, he's our guy. I mean, I... <laughs> well, duh. Stuart's <laughs> also like doing facial expression, like showing his face, the moneymaker. I, I don't know. I, well, okay. I will say this. I took some time in my profile to actually answer questions because I, I recognize some people, like their their profiles were very just empty. Like, I am a woman. I am a, I am single. Well, duh. So I did put, like, I'm seeking, I said, I'm an avid traveler. I am looking for someone to share life experiences with. Somebody, hopefully, that can bring new experiences and perspectives to me, and I can do the same with her, and we can have new together. I answered all the questions like, yes, I want a family, want to get married, want to have kids. I think maybe that kind of openness about it was appealing. And I smiled a lot. Ah, oh, see, so good pictures. Yeah, yeah. Sparkling personality. You know, just popping. <laughs> and then what was, this is just like pre-timey times, but what was like your app strategy? Well, the app strategy was terrible, right? Because I was okay with using apps because for me, it was like another way of kind of broadening the horizon. So but prior to the dating apps, I could only meet people right in the vicinity. I'm at a bar. There's 100 people at the bar. There's 50 women. There's only 50 people there. I'm not going to go around and introduce myself to all 50 of them. There's a guy, oh, he's 37, 38. So that's kind of awkward. And so it broadened my horizons. And it also gave you the ability to kind of filter out a little bit, whatever your draw line of sands are. So I was kind of okay with the dating app. And then from that standpoint, what I did find is I'm not a very good texter. I think I'm an amazing texter. I think I have golden thumbs. But <laughs> apparently everybody else I text, they know. Because I, I use texting as very succinct communication. So quick, you know, to the point, stuff like that. So... If I'm on a dating app, if I don't meet you within the first week or so, you're going to oh my gosh, this guy's so boring and whatnot. So that was hard for me on the dating app because I don't know the typical protocols. Like, I, you know, when's too early to ask for your phone number? Like, how do you make that transition, phone number, phone call, so on and so forth? So if I'm on a dating app for too long, for more than like we connect, you and I connect, or, you know, if I'm there for like two or three days or a week, then we're probably not going to meet because you're like, this dude's just boring. I don't use emojis and stuff like that. So, I had some struggles on the dating app, to be honest with you. I think your strategy is actually perfect because it's like you don't want to get into endless pen pal chats with random people. You want to meet them. 
Why, thank you, Becca. <laughs> yeah. But I did find, though, the problem with dating apps, the benefit of the dating apps was that you could always be searching profiles and you can broaden your horizon and, and, and meet more people. But it became a forced habit almost, like just one of those things. I, you know, prior to dating apps, if you would meet somebody, you would go on a date, well, you get their phone number first. And you're really excited about it. You call, and you plan a date. And you're really excited about this Friday. And you go on the date, and you have this amazing date. And it's like, do I wait two or three days to call, or what I do, and that kind of thing. But I found myself going on these dating apps, and I would have an amazing date, but then I just go home and go to the board and start swiping again. Not because she wasn't amazing, just because it's a habit. And then if you start matching a bunch of people, and it's like I lost that conversation. Who? What, so it's just a kind of over. Yeah. This is fascinating because I realized that I need to interview more men on the show. You're my first celebrity and my first male. So this is like I a big... agree with the, the male part. <laughs> celebrity. Because <laughs> it's really interesting to hear just like from a male perspective, like, oh, yeah, you would go home and you'd have a great time and then you still would swipe versus like, I mean, like, oh, I want to follow up and see that person again. I mean, maybe you did, too, but it was that kind of mindset. It was subconscious, right? So just uh, like it became like my nightly thing, like. I'm checking sports scores. I'm checking the news. Oh, I'm checking the app, that kind of thing. And it wasn't necessarily because I'm searching. It just became a habit. I'm like, well, it wasn't allowing me to be present. And at that time, you're thinking, busy with work. I'm busy with trying to have you know family and friends, busy with taking care of myself, like health and wellness, and then trying to date. So there wasn't just enough hours. Even if somebody was super amazing and special, my life is busy enough. So then if I'm bringing more extra noise and fodder and, and swipes to the right, like, I wouldn't necessarily spend enough time with somebody to even recognize that she was special. So I had to like cut, I cut, I cut out the dating apps before I even got like in a committed relationship and stuff like that. Oh, interesting. Because of, because of that reason. Yeah. It's overwhelming. So you were saying you're very busy. You're like a CEO of a big company. Is that why you think you were, were you 38 when you were on the, or how old were you when you were on the show? I was 40. I guess. Why would your friends say that why Stewart's single at that time? I feel like probably just things get really busy and you have other priorities, but I, I don't know. That's kind of an excuse, right? So that's, that was my excuse. It, it, it did really well. So I would, so at 40 being single, I, I was, you know, single, never married, no kids. Some people think it's a catch. Some other people here, commitment issues, can't have kids. Like I, I don't, I was a purpose, it was purposely I chose not to have kids. I know how to do it. Like I know. I know how oh, to we're going to get to that part. I want to get to that part of the, That's good. the first part. But no, like, so what I would say is like, so there was a time, you know, in my early mid twenties, I was focused on being an athlete. And then I actually withdrew from school to focus on training for the Olympics. And then I went back to school late. So I finished my undergrad, I think I was like 28 or something like that. And then I went to get my master's. So like, so I was focused on school and then, you know, I got my master's and I was like, well, I need to focus on my career. And then, so I was focused on my career. So I was all, and so I had other priorities. So I dated the whole period of time, but I had other priorities. So then it's like, man, now in my mid thirties, I'm starting thinking I've had some wins in life, but I don't have anybody to share them with the successes and stuff like that. I'm good with the losses, but you know, you want to come home and like, honey, this is what happened. So then I didn't really start getting serious about dating until like my mid thirties or late thirties. And I kind of always assumed once I get my activity, once I say I'm ready, then it'll happen. But there's another whole, person get to think about so it was kind of a struggle fest but that's not the truth it's not well that's that's why i told myself but then oh yeah it. but then like you started digging a little bit deeper part this is we talk about the show but and stuff like that but yeah, i started thinking like man maybe i am scared to repeat like i grew up in a kind of awkward family situation my father wasn't really around so 
subconsciously you start thinking, I remember as a kid, I think I will be better, a better father than my father was. I want to be a better husband than my, my father was. But then subconsciously, there was also a fear, like, maybe I'll repeat the same way because nature and nurture, like, you know, you hear these, you know, these kids grow up and like, they don't want to be like this, but that's how they know. And that's how they were raised. So subconsciously, I was kind of worried about following those footsteps. So once I got over that, then I was open to truly relationships and realizing that I am not my father. I will make mistakes. I put with being a father and a husband on such a high pedestal, like almost perfection that I could never achieve it. So even if I was got really close to their relationship, I would kind of self-sabotage because I didn't think I was worthy. So that's the deep, that's the true reason. I relate to that. I said red wine. Yeah. <laughs> Gulp. No, I definitely relate to that. Actually, one of my future guests is going to be all about perfection mm-hmm. and how being unworthy. So I'm bringing her on to kind of help because I think that's super common. I think especially a lot of people on apps now, it's not even that they focus on themselves. It's that they, they'll see imperfections in everybody else and then kind of have reasons to eliminate them. We're hard on ourselves and we're hard on other people. Anyways, so then you go on the show and at the first day, I don't know if it's like the first scene or like what the timetable like behind the scenes was, but they make you guys do this sperm test, like fertility test. I mean, I thought it was a cool feminist thing that they were doing because usually the pressure is always on the woman, but I feel like that'd be kind of a shocker for the very first event. A kind of a shocker? <laughs> you know, and like you start thinking like, you know, this says this is day one. It was literally the first time the guys were meeting, the first time we were, were meeting the host and we're meeting Christy for the first time. So then all of a sudden we have to give us a sample in front of everybody else and on TV. And you're thinking like, wait a second. First of all, is this a joke? No, it's for real. And then stage fright and you know and, and it's like wait do i really want to do this well I, I committed to this but do i want to be the guy to back out i mean it makes sense that the show is about coming together and parenting a child you have to first have you have to make sure you can actually have a child but yeah it start for you. definitely seemed like it was a little theatrical because they could have definitely had you guys do that before you think yeah let <laughs> <laughs> like, me tell you something that there's a mobile unit and like four guys went at the same time yeah I was going to say they looked nice from the outside, but I don't know. Walls were thin. <laughs> and then, and then I don't know how graphic we're going to get, but the unit started swaying a little bit. Oh, God. <laughs> you know? I'm like, oh, so we're really doing this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, was there ever a point where you're like, is this for real? Like, is everybody no, else? Was. No, yeah. there was. So, I mean, I don't know what I'm supposed to say it, but I didn't think it was for real. So I poked my head out and everybody's just like, oh, you want to hold one? Like, no, it was, it was real. What was it like? They also make you go through pregnancy. Like you gave birth or you, you like. Labor things. Yeah. Labor. Yeah. See, labor. I don't even, you know more about the birthing process. You know about this. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> I get faint just thinking about it. What was that like? You were a very good coach, like supporting the other person having. Well, yeah, thank you. And that's the biggest thing I got from it. Like, so obviously I know there's no way being attached to a stem machine and getting electric in your pelvic region does not simulate the birthing pains. So it was painful and the muscle contraction of your abs and just being out of control. But the biggest thing I got was just knowing that I need to be a good coach, asking the mother to be what she needs ahead of time, how I can soothe her and being there for her and stuff like that. So yeah, I got through the pain, but more so Marcus was my, my guy that I was holding on to. And I just like being with him, like focus with me, let's breathe. What do you want to talk about Marcus? What do you need? And I, I look forward to that, to be honest. Like, I look forward to the whole entire process of being there for her and the beauty of seeing our child together. And yeah, it was, it was painful, but I just kind of went to my, 
for when I was given the birth, I went into competitor mode. Like, I'm just going to, like, just I'm gonna breathe and focus. I'm just, but then when it was time for me to soothe Marcus, I went kind of being empathetic and being with him. Man. A little awkward. You're like, <laughs> probably like what every pregnant person dreams of someone like support and empathize and be like, I've been there. So like during Marcus's contraction, I'm holding his hands and stuff like that. But then after that, I feel like he still wanted to hold my hand. I'm like, no, man, we're good. <laughs> like, 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 just like, no, you're good. Just go back to me. Okay, you're cool. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Were there any other things that on the show that they crazy things that they cut or that you were like, oh, that's too much. I'm not doing that. I guess probably the the sperm thing would have probably been if you said no to anything. Been too much. Yeah. At that point, like once you commit to sperm, like you're just like, okay. Yeah, like whatever. So there was just so much stuff and content, just 15 guys and what we were going through and talking about. And, and then just, we didn't know as you as a, as a fan or watching the show, we were experiencing it for the first time too. We weren't sure what the show was really about. Is it about fatherhood? Is it about getting married? We all assumed, I can't speak for it, because it was the first season of the show, so there was no like roadmap. So we all assumed it was kind of like The Bachelor. So like, hey, at the end of this, we're going to bend down on one knee and propose, and then we can go on a date. But wait, oh, no, this is about parenting, which makes sense because we were all older. So it's kind of like, hey, at the time, 40, I think it was like ranged from like 36 to 46. So at this point in time, when I was, I was going on dates previously, Everything that was taboo, which I was supposed to talk about in the first couple of dates, I was talking about now. Like, do I want to get married? Do I want to have kids? You get out of the way because I'm 40 some years old. I got to go a little bit faster. And I've also learned what I don't like and what I do like. So it was just an extension of dating now. So the faster timeline. But the, we were, oh, wait. In the, the guy's house, the sign said fatherhood. It didn't say marriage. It didn't say coupling. It didn't say teammates. It said fatherhood. So you're like, wait a second. Are we just supposed to be sperm donors? And then, like, you know, there was like two houses, the guy's house and in her house, and like, wait a second, are we just going to add this? We're just going to move into, say, we're going to co-parent across the driveway? So we're all trying to figure it out. Well, it was a good experience, but the challenges were simulated the process of coming together in a relationship. So first, can you have a child, the donation, we'll call it. Then can you provide food, shelter, protect somebody from a bear? And then the intelligence test, so it's all leading up to that, and, you know, intimacy and, and so on and so forth and trust. So the challenge is built up to actually having a baby labor pains and taking care of the baby. So it was a great experience. It was like love, relationship, parenting, boot camp. Yeah. yeah. So like being that it was a competition, did you ever feel like you were getting caught up in the competition element, like the bachelor style and also falling for somebody and also being on camera? I feel like that would just be a lot at once. Yeah. So I was in competition mode probably for the first two weeks. It's like nobody wants to be the first guy to get eliminated. So it's like, I can't get eliminated. So that's why, you know, I'm a natural. I, I would have probably, I offered her a drink first. So I, I remember champagne. So I would have done that anyway, but also it's like, oh, I just want to make sure she you know, stands out. There's 15 guys and whatnot. So, but as it starts progressing, you start thinking, go from competition mode to thinking, wait, this is about parenting and fatherhood. So I was very clear at some point, I could probably think my way through this, compete my way through this, and say I won, but then what do I win? I, oh, I win a baby, but if I'm not ready, right? So it's like, you know, like, oh, so I kind of dropped the competitor mode really early on because I enjoyed the challenges because these were things I never thought about. I, my entire life, I do physicals twice a year. I do STD testing from when I was an athlete because we had to get tested for that. I just kept that going, so I've always done that, but I've never got my sperm, you know, 
tested before. So like, oh, and I always just thought, I assumed if I can do my thing, I can do my thing. So like, oh, I got my fertility tested and I started learning about that. And then I, you know, what does it mean like, you know, parenting and start the challenges and the introspection and also just being away from all the noise. I started liking the entire process. And then on top of that, getting to meet Christy and getting to understand her. So I went from comparative mode to actually really being in it. And you're also sequestered for eight weeks. There's no music. There's no TV. You, you're just in it. You're in for all. Yeah. The cameras, you, you forget about the cameras pretty quickly because they're there all the time. Oh, that makes sense. Like all the time. <laughs> like all. <laughs> I feel like the editing of the show, it was very unclear when you first made out with Christy. When was it? Yeah. You know, so my, my first date, so the first episode was meeting Christy, the guys in the garden party. Then second episode, Marcus and Matt went on dates. Then I went on a date. Third episode, which was going over to her house and we cooked dinner. And then we went out in the backyard and there was the orchestra playing. And then I kissed her. Oh my gosh. I can't believe I missed that. Man. Man, that was my moment. I, cause I was like, I cannot believe that he waited to look the, at your house. Like, oh, finally well, making the move. I was like, yeah, well, I guess, I guess since you're here, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> no, we had our first kid. We had our first kiss on the the first date. But what's interesting about that is I actually I said, "Hey, don't worry, I'm not gonna kiss you. Like we're just getting to know each other." But then things started happening, and that's when I kind of realized that I went from competitor thinking to actually being in the moment. And then when I allowed myself to be in the moment, even though I said I wasn't gonna kiss you, I actually said I'm not gonna kiss her. Just kind of like you know, you're just nervous kissing on camera and stuff like that. First kiss, and first kiss is nerve wracking, anyways. If I lean in, is she gonna move away? Is that kind of stuff? So I just kind of cleared that, hey, we're just going to have a great evening. But then I actually ended up having a great evening. And then I just felt compelled to. It was reciprocated. Oh, good. So was there like drama beyond what they showed with the guys? Because I feel like, the, you know, The Bachelor, it's just so much drama. And I liked this show because it wasn't so focused on drama. But then I feel like there probably was. No, you saw all the drama, all of the moments of fire. You saw all those moments. But of course, those moments didn't last only 30 seconds. They were longer than that, right? You have to edit it down. So an argument, a conversation lasted more than a minute. It was probably like 10, 15, 20 minutes. So you saw all the drama or most of the drama. But also, we're like 40 years old. We're older than this. You know, so like, for example, we're a completely different cast than The Bachelor. So like during elimination, like it's super serious, super like one of those things. It's like, you guys got to be really nervous. And they did a beautiful job setting the stage. But then the guy's like, hey. I gotta go to the bathroom. Like, no, you can't go to the bathroom. It's about elimination night. Like, yo, I'm 40 years old. I got a weak bladder. Like, <laughs> you know, so it's like, oh, it's like, it's like, okay, these guys are treat them differently. We have to give them bathroom break. So it's with them from that time. And so there wasn't as much drama as the batch, just because we're all, we were, and we were also there for parenting and real people weren't there. I, it wasn't like the bachelor franchise, not to knock it out, but people definitely go in there to lead in other things. I think we all had our motivations probably extrinsically but the main motivation was to see if we could find a partner well and you didn't know who it was before like you didn't know it was christy no right yeah so like that's no. a big like the bachelor it's like people go on because they know it's a certain person yeah i watched you i watched you last season yeah, i'm so excited that. yeah but this is like a completely different where people are there like for a lot more genuine reasons well to be honest i think most of the guys when christian davis first came out we thought it was her like oh okay Just, oh. <laughs> hey. I see you, Charlotte. <laughs> That's really funny. Mm -hmm. I want to also talk about my problem with how they edited you, if I okay, may. Please. I feel like they 
back to the perfectionism thing, it was kind of like they were always saying that they had this narrative that you checked all the boxes and that it wasn't enough. And I just felt that that was so dismissive. Checking boxes? Yeah, or just like you have all these great qualities, but they were like taking those for granted. So you're actually like so genuine and people weren't genuine on the show, but then they're kind of like dismissive of that. Yeah, but so at no point in time, yeah, I mean, obviously I, when I got eliminated, that's hurts like it's like everything it's it's, it's whatever well, find love end of eight weeks it's just a whole bunch of stuff like you're going through these emotions but when christy eliminated me she says she's falling for kyle on local i'm like well then that's amazing right so i want you to be happy i want kyle to be happy and then going back watching the show you could actually see there was always a connection with them and so you can check all the boxes but you can't control chemistry and connection not to say you need valid but oh that's great you know, I would have, if, if Chrissy would have picked me, I would have gotten her phone number, we would have gone on a date, and we would have tried to, to see develop chemistry and connection, but Kyle and her had that chemistry and connection. And checking boxes is a good thing, but it's not enough. And vice versa, sometimes love is not enough, because if somebody, if you love somebody, but then they don't meet the you know, other needs, like, can they be a provider? Are you compatible? You can you can have chemistry, but you, you cannot have compatibility. So exactly. I get it. I was going to say that, yeah. It's yeah. like puzzle pieces. It's tough out there. So you go home and then what's it been like post show? Cause like it was like a couple of years ago, right? Yeah. So the week I, I went home, I went, I got home. Let's say I got home like on a Monday or something like that, or maybe Tuesday, Thursday, I left for my first Coachella. I went from being sequestered and not having any sort of external stimulus to just like, <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't really ready for all that. I took some time for dating. I didn't like all of a sudden just download dating apps and stuff like that. I took some time. Probably didn't start dating until like August, maybe. Uh, maybe before then. It wasn't like immediately. Like we're done in March. It wasn't like I just went out there. And I, there was a change because we signed a, a confidentiality agreement so I couldn't tell people I was on the show. But when I would go on dates, would be like, you sound like you've been gone through something, you know, recently. Oh, you're, really? You're so woke, you know? Because you, you know, you talk about like, because I'm now talking about, hey, if you're I'm dating somebody my, my age, you know, or age appropriate, I started saying, well, have you thought about freezing your eggs? Have you, you know, like, what are you talking oh. about in vitro? So now I'm talking about in vitro fertilization. So I'm like, what? I've actually oh, had my fertility tested, you know? So, <laughs> like, what? <laughs> so it was interesting. But then you still have challenges, right? You still have to find the right person, right fit. And just because you're ready doesn't mean the other person's ready and vice versa. And what's been hard for me is checking all the boxes and stuff like that. But the stuff that's out of your control, timing, circumstance. Like, I have my own stuff. You know, she may have her stuff, what we're dealing with. and. It's just tough out there. Yeah, especially like multiple two people's lives. Back to the fatherhood. Would you ever like adopt on your own? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, so I want to be a father, right? And I've always thought about adoption. I and even if I can, even if I can, or we can, you know, have our own child, right? So when I meet somebody, the first step is, do you want to have children? Yes. And then once we get that, then if then circumstance life happens, if we can't have it naturally, then we go through. Using technology, if technology doesn't work, then we go through adoption. So I just want somebody that wants to have a child, and then then we figure out how we can have a child. But adoption, even if we can't have our own child, I always thought adoption was on the board. What I have thought about though is that if we are going to adopt, I would like to adopt the child after we have our give birth to our own children, because from that standpoint, for that child's sake, our family wasn't complete until we brought you and adopted you to family. Now we're complete. Vice versa, let's say if we adopt a child. And then love him or her, whatever. But then we have our own child that I would never want that adopt a child. I feel like they weren't enough. So almost like 
I'm open adoption, would love to adopt, but I always thought the process of it for the child's sake. Bring you into family. We're, we, we have a, we're, we're stable, but we're not complete until we brought you into our family. Yeah. Would you ever just like, if you were by yourself, adopt a kid? Like, yeah. So that was part of the show, like the, the arc of the show. I started thinking, like, I really do want fatherhood. And then it also made me realize that kind of sucks. Like, women are going against this timeline. The clock is ticking, like, you know, eggs and it gets more challenging. Whereas men are still on a timeline. Um, you know, studies show, you know, later in life, you know, more chance for disease and stuff like that. But we have a higher shot of being able, if we're fertile and fertile, we can still have children, right? It's not as dangerous. But kind of more so aesthetic stuff. I, do I want to be an old dad? Do I still want to be able to, you know, play basketball? So I realized I want to be a father, but I did start thinking about, I really want this. If I can't find love and partnership, but I do this on my own, I thought, yes, I will. But I'm not yet to the point where I still want to, I'm ready to give up on having a partner. Where I think with women, because of this clock and stigma, they think like, okay, I'm 40 years old. I have to do this now. No partner for me. Where I'm still looking for partnership. I'm still looking, seeking that. And then I'm not to the point yet where my desire to have a child outweighs my desire for partnership and bring a child in this world. Yeah. Hopefully you can do both. Same time. <laughs> yes. All right. Now we're going to have fun questions. Okay. What's your most embarrassing date story? It's not really, not really a date, but when I was a teenager, we went to a cotillion. I, there was you know, a young lady. I was going to go to a cotillion. And it's like kind of like a, a debutante ball, like you're coming out party. And, you know, older, older, older girl asked me to, you know, be her host, go with the cotillion. We did all the practices, the ballroom dancing, stuff like that. And, you know, it was in my tuxedo looking sharp and she was looking beautiful. And like, I, I remember thinking, I don't want to mess up for her because it was her your debutante ball her cotillion her coming out party night and we walked down and we're in line and looking good and before the dancing started you know they kind of presented us and then next thing i remember is somebody fanning me and giving me some water so apparently i was nervous and stood just knees locked and passed oh, out. No. yeah it just ruined it like ruined her big moment all eyes were on me cotillion stopped was six foot six dude just passed out and also when a six foot six guy like passes out it's not very I don't remember the most embarrassing moment, but that would be it. And also yeah. her face was just horrified. So. Oh, no. I was more embarrassed for her, actually. <laughs> yeah, you, you don't remember it. Yeah. Well, that's a pretty good one. Oh, did, did that pass? I'm sorry. <laughs> no, that passed. <laughs> passed with flying colors. Okay, good. Okay. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I guess I'm just kind of curious now that you've done the show. And now you're like living post show life, kind of like what's like the biggest besides the fatherhood aspect, which clearly has like added like an element to your life. But like, what else have you like taken away from the show since being on it? Well, my perception of fatherhood, marriage, and stuff, and that thing. Like, so for my entire life, all I said I want to be married, and I want to be a father. I want to be a husband. I want to be a father, and, and a nuclear family. What that looks like. But then I started thinking about what that really means. So. The show brought the idea of we can kind of like come together, but I am no longer married. The idea of getting married, I I really started thinking about what I'm seeking. So I'm, I'm seeking partnership in a teammate life because I know a lot of marriages that don't have partnership, and I know a lot of partnerships that don't have aren't married. So what I am thinking for is I'm really looking for is that true partner and teammate in life. And however it expresses itself to the world, if we get married on our church, that's fine. If we do a pinky promise or you know, whatever it is, but as long as that commitment that we are going to go through this together, that's what I'm thinking for. 
which you can't put on a dating app, right? You can't say not looking to get married because it's like, oh, yeah. it's going to be a playboy. Like, no, I'm really, I want partnership. And if with that partnership, it's marriage, it's fine. But that was a different change for sure. And it also, I like that about myself or that mindset because it really has me focused on what's important and how I show, it's really about how I want to be in a relationship versus just, I just want to get married, so I'm getting married. That's a good answer. I feel like I can't top that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Post-show for you. How, how's it been? Oh, post-show? Yeah, pretty good. I yeah, mean. Okay. Good. Yeah. Life goes I mean, on. After I watched the show, then I just wrote a list of questions. I'm like, got to DM her again. <laughs> yeah, what's up? Slide in my DMs. Yep. I'm glad that you responded. I was, you know, dating with Bay, the title. Got me, I'm like, okay, I see that. Yes. Yeah, you know, I like to think of myself as the type of man that, you know, two beers and a dog type of guy. That's what I like to think of. Oh, very mm-hmm. nice. Mm-hmm. Have yeah, you read you that like book? That? No, just I, I did read the little blurb that you posted. Now that's kind of like my new guiding principle for dating, I decided. Really? Yeah. So to anybody who doesn't know what we're talking about, I did a post on this book. It's called... What's it called? <laughs> I just finished, I finished it yesterday. I read it in like a day and a half. I'll remember the name. But anyways, they talk about how the only two things that you really need to assess somebody on are like if you would have two beers with them, like you enjoy their company, and would you trust your puppy with them? Trust. That's yeah. literally all you need. Yeah, right there. Why are we overcomplicating everything? Enjoy somebody's company and trust. Yeah. And then the rest is so easy. It is. I don't know why we make it so confusing. So I'm glad that you read the post. Yeah, I'm glad you posted it. See, I don't know. You know, I did my due diligence as well. I had to make sure you assess you were real. We, I mean, we talked multiple times. Yes, we did. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we did. You're, you're, you're a big fan of communication. Yes, you're good. <laughs> I like to over communicate. You can never over communicate. That way, nothing gets lost. Well, I mean, and it got me here on time, so we're we're good. Yeah, I actually did over communicate, so I was like, like, let me know if the link doesn't work. <laughs> Try it, test it. You know, yeah. call me, send, send me some photos. Yeah, it's good. All right, Sarah Everard, Gil, thank you so much for joining Dating in the Bay. It was very fun, and <laughs> I'm still nervous. Even like, yeah, thank, thank you for having me. You did yeah. hey, you did amazing. No, you did amazing. You were great in the show. Great here. Thank you. Perfect. Thank you guys so much for listening today. I hope you enjoyed my interview with Stuart. And like I mentioned, he'll be coming back for a second interview that we'll be recording soon. So if you have a question that you want me to ask him, just shoot me a DM on Dating in the Bay Instagram account, and I'll be sure to ask him. He mentioned the two beers and a puppy post that I had done. And I looked up the book because I couldn't remember when we recorded. The book is called Works Well with Others by Ross McCammon. And it's a really good book. I highly recommend it. And I did it for a Dating in the Bay Instagram post because it had a lot of relevance to simplifying what we look for in a partner. So I highly recommend that book. And I'm going to be ending every episode from now on with a dating hack. These are things that I have learned along the way that I would love to share with you. And this week's dating hack is to make the world your dating app. So we don't have to just rely on our phones for our online profiles to meet somebody. 
if you see somebody attractive at the grocery store, just go up and say hi to them. Or if you see somebody on Facebook and you have a mutual friend with them, then just add them as a friend and send them a DM. The worst somebody can say is no, but what if they say yes? And then that's where all the fun begins. And I really do believe these little acts of bravery, they really do start to add up and they really can make us kind of just view dating and our journeys really differently. And that sense of empowerment and bravery has really transformed the way that I show up in my dating life. And I really wish that upon you as well. So if you want to join me this week, I challenge you to take one little act of bravery and try to make the world your dating app this week and see what, how it feels. And honestly, the more that you do it, the easier it will get and the more fun you'll probably have. And you'll probably just want to keep doing it because it's awesome and you meet the coolest people doing it. So. With that, don't forget to make your world your dating app this week. And I want to thank Stuart again for being my guest. And I want to thank Studio Pod for editing and publishing my podcast. And with that, thank you guys again. And I will see you next week. Have a good one.